this week we had some issues with audio. We apologise. We should be fixed by next time. Enjoy. Hello! We are back. We are here. And uh, here's a surprise picture of something that's going to be coming up later on in the episode. Huh? Huh? The backs of horses. You can never guess what that's going to be. More on this later. More on this later. So, um, anyway, we're back. It's it's another Monday. Um, I was an idiot and forgot to change the uh, title of the episode. So this is episode 86, part two, apparently. Um, which anyone who was over here last week will know, Carlo randomly kind of like fell apart. Uh, I say he fell apart. His internet fell apart. So uh, so he kind of like had to be abandoned. Um so I guess it is, this is 86 part 2, because it's the second half of the information that we're going to cover, that we wanted to cover last week, uh, with some extras. So, um... about a story that Mickey can't count? Yeah, not, nothing to do with the fact I can't count, nothing to do with the fact that I just overlooked a title and didn't change the number. No, 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 definitely not that. <laughs> okay, um, so, first things first, we will go through, um... The Night's Watch Hero Box was actually kind of out last week, except the person who picked up all the other work, uh, Hero Boxes didn't pick up Night's Watch. So as a result, we didn't see Night's Watch. And because we didn't see Night's Watch, we couldn't talk about them. We now can see them. Um, Carlo, you've got a Night's Watch run, right? I do, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lannisters, Night's Watch. I would just like to point out, guys, before the episode started, uh, I had to send Carlo pictures of all the Night's Watch stuff, probably because he hasn't even opened his own packs yet. He just took the lid off, looked at the box and went, that looks nice, and put the lid back on. Now, I, I had a look at the miniatures. The miniatures are really nice. Mm -hmm. No, they actually are. They're great sculpts. Got mine, mine there. They are, they're pretty good sculpts across the board, right? Um, yeah. Actually, yeah, I'm happy with them. Yeah, pretty impressed with the quality across the board. Okay, then. So, uh, first up, in order of pictures, is Benjamin Stark, Beyond the Wall. Um, he's, a, he's a bit of a strange character, um, because he is not the same as his infantry version, in his commander version, but he is similar. Um, he has one similar card. The, the weird thing here is a, a theme that we've seen uh, consistently. We saw it in Free Folk. He has the old hidden traps rule on his attachment, which is pretty mm -hmm. sad times. Um, I do wish they'd come up with the, the new Season 1 rules, but hey-ho, what can you do? Um, but two other rules. He's got Disrupt, uh, which we know about already, um, but he comes with Ranging Specialist, uh, an innate ability. He can only be attached to Ranger units. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess. It, I mean, I mean, it just disallows the classic played men. <laughs> ah, yes, the ever so classic. Uh, uh, disallows hedge knights as well, of course. Yeah. Um, resources, you know, they're they're all viable choices now. Interesting that they're trying to push Night's Watch in general towards being an in-house faction in that way. Um. When you'd think that the vows and the vow system already means that, like, you should be wanting to use Night's Watch units. Yeah. I don't know if they need the push to make them Night's Watch only, really. Um, yeah, I don't see it. Um, it does also mean... Now, I 
might be reading far too much into this. But if you've got something like um, uh, Take the Black, right? Um, take the Black can heal uh, uh, cavalry units, can't it? Um, just making sure that I'm not imagining that. No, it is one infantry. I was going to say, could you take uh, Benjin in, uh, cavalry attachment and put him in a neutral uh, unit? But no, you can't. That interaction doesn't work. Um, so yeah, no, no stealing Benjin and putting him in a neutral unit that way. And uh, yeah, I don't see it. I, I don't see why that rule is in place. I don't think it makes a difference. Personally. Um... His cards, Hunter's Insight's the same as the, the foot one. No comment there, really. Mm -hmm. Just an okay card. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Marshall, we've seen plenty of times now across different uh, cavalry commanders. Nothing to say there, really, again? No, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we effectively now, like, it's very rare that a commander gets anything that's new. It, yeah. It's almost exclusively a, a rehashing of things that already exist somewhere else. Yeah. A, a new combination of abilities. And, you know, it is in, interesting and an interesting combination of disrupt and traps on a cavalry unit. We've never seen that before. Uh -huh. um, but his cards, you know, they're, they're not they're not wildly interesting. Um, interesting... A lot of people don't like Ride by Attack. Now, I don't think it's Drogo's strongest card, but I I like it in combo with solos. You know, like, mm -hmm. and and they do have access. They do have access to the uh, Watch Marshal solo. I think that is useful. Um, I I do I do agree that it's a waste of time on cavalry, the large majority of the time. Like, mm. it is a waste of time doing that as your whole turn for cavalry because you can do so much more. But Ride by Onjora, very very good card. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I people think downplay it. The only but you can you can build around it. It's easier in Targs because you probably always want to bring Jora solo anyway. Yeah, necessarily want to bring the Watch Marshal solo. Yeah, the the only thing with Ride by Attack that I do think has like it's it's one strength for cavalry is the ability to start engaged, activate engaged, and be able to ride through to your opponent's rear, which against certain types of units or certain types of things, you know, you end disengage. Night's Watch Cavalry is movement six, so you will get clear on the other side the vast majority of the time. Um, and that, that, that is outside of the use of solos that you've said there, Carlo. That is the only use of Ride by Attack I really believe exists. Um, the vast majority of the time, you just don't use it. Uh, not on cavalry. Um, so yeah. Not interesting to see in the game. Uh, and I kind of echo what uh, what Richard said in chat. It's, it's just not that interesting, this set of abilities, really. I don't know. I'm not taken. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine, yeah. you know, like... Cavalry commander. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, like, but like, you know... As far as they go, as far as they go, he's 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 not he's not top tier. No. Um. Um. Moving on, moving on. Uh, we have Sir Dennis Malister, the Shadow Tower Commander. Now this is um, this I think is one of the most interesting designs from an attachment perspective that we've seen 
as a commander attachment. He comes with knightly vow. So target the new version of knightly vow, target one enemy unit. When attacking or charging that enemy, you gain plus one to hit and may reroll charge distance dice. And dutiful commander, if this is a Night's Watch unit, after deployment, you may search your deck for one tempered by duty tactics card and attach it to this unit. Shuffle your tactics deck. Um, I personally think that Knightly Vow on an, a commander attachment, which we've not seen before, is an interesting way to go. And dutiful commander for the tempered by duty, which we'll get to in a second, being added effectively for free uh, at the start of the game onto that unit, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's the ability to just go and get an tactics card out of your deck. Um, and the reason I like it more than anything is Tempered by Duty is a card that it just gives activation tokens when in combat. Effectively, it's something that Night's Watch have not had access to. But I like the design space. I don't know if I actually like the overall effect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that Tempered by Duty overall is a weak card. Yeah. Outside outside of outside of the fact that, you know, like it, it is a permanent buff, right? Like so permanent buffs are incredibly powerful. I think they've had a look at like how absolutely fucked offer was and they've and they've and they've really really lent on portion what you give you allow your deck to be filled with cards that are going to be permanent buffs um you know because 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 they just i mean here's an example right just look at very subtle change to the game modes increased game length every commander will bet on endurance the rankings right because just like bringing a card which has a permanent buff is so powerful mm -hmm. the problem with battle of endurance is, is that nobody ever got to the fourth fifth and sixth rounds like so like yeah. it was a dead card at that time now all of a sudden what you do is add one more round onto it and battle endurance has become a great card yeah, it's, it, it is a shame, because I think Tempered by Duty... I, I actually do think Tempered by Duty is a good card for Night's Watch. Token play is the one thing that Night's Watch have a very limited amount of. Um, I do think that that particular card offers that play, but it's just not that good. Because um, you have to be engaged, activate and engaged, and Night's Watch don't activate engaged. They've either run away from the thing they've killed, or they've killed something. <laughs> you know... Um, so anyway, we also have Adaptive Methods. There's a card we've seen before coming in uh, out of um, Neutrals. Reminder to everyone with the change, I say the change, the question that was answered on the forums, you can replace a condition token you have with another condition token you have. So if you're vulnerable and panicked from Warcry, you can turn the vulnerable into a panicked, but because your unit cannot have two panic tokens, effectively you just make the vulnerable disappear. If you've got just vulnerable, you obviously change it to a panic, or you haven't got a panic token, so it wouldn't stack, so it wouldn't disappear, you'd just be changing it. Um, but yeah, Adaptive Methods is actually quite a powerful card, uh, once, once that kind of question was brought up, and answer was brought into the fold. 
I think that's really good. I think that's a brilliant card for Night's Watch. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah again, um, it, it, it's easy to play, easy to get some value out of, and easy to rotate through your deck. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the, the secondary effect makes it a great card. The original effect is okay. And finally, we've got Combat Prowess, which we saw from Roderick Cassell. Um, remove a condition token at start for any turn. Fine. Whatever. Move on with life. Um, but the, the main ability of Combat Prowess, when an enemy is targeted uh, by an ability or tactics card, expend one condition token from that enemy. If you do, cancel the effects of that ability or tactics card. Ability and tactics card cancel coming to Night's Watch. I think this, even though I don't think it's that good, I think this is enough to see... Malister play, C play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think overall it's quite interesting because I feel like he's back, which is odd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he is filling a hole and a niche which Night's Watch really just don't have right now. Mm -hmm. Like overall, I think his attachment, Nightly Vow, Plus that effect to get one commander, get one card out of your deck, is not brilliant. No. I think that each individual card is on the low end of 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 like its own kind of category. It's on the low end of token control. It's on the low end of card denial. It's on the low end of everything. But it's a load of things that all come all together are like, man. Haven't Night's Watch wanted to have all of those things? Yeah. And so he could end up being good, like, very cautious with him, and rightly so, because it's a dangerous combo. Yeah. No, yeah, if he, he's, I can almost see him becoming one of those kind of like fringe, maybe like third pick commanders that people end up picking up after maybe the likes of John or Donald. At the moment, maybe um, looking like the two like two popular picks. Um, I do think Malister will end up being this fringe pick that you'll see, and it will be like, huh, that's really annoying. <laughs> um, but yeah, not actually necessarily being that overall powerful um, necessarily. Uh, cool. We'll move on, and we'll move on to probably the most interesting of the three commanders, and certainly the one that I know Ilya in chat is absolutely hyped about. This is the man he has wanted to see in the game for a long time because it combines the love of his two favourite things, Night's Watch and Greyjoys. Uh, Sir Cotter Pike, the East Watch commander, who has Reckless Heroism, uh, the D3 wounds for an auto 6 on charge, and Fueled by Slaughter, the heal that just keeps on giving. Um, and as an attachment, I think that's fine. Uh, Great John has something very similar in the package. In reckless heroism, but he has overrun and something else. I think. I think he comes with serious charge. I think it might be. But um, but yeah, fueled by slaughter in Night's Watch, Carlo. Yeah, I mean, like fueled by slaughter is also a very interesting thing to back reckless heroism up with. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it it really helps offset. The reckless heroism itself and would be a problem 
Ah. I haven't decided where where it's Well, you say that you can't decide where it's going to be a problem. His first card is Assault Ordnance. <laughs> um, and if it's got a Pike's action uh, unit, you may perform a charge action. Hey, Carlo, do you know about any Night's Watch units that like to charge in, and then after they're charged in, retreat out? I've heard of some. <laughs> is it by any chance Ranger Hunters? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I know we can do Assault on any zone, but that's yeah. the thing, like, that shtick already exists with John. No, it does, so, it does. you know, like, what, what, what makes... What makes Potter Pike special? I th I think the difference being is that you can charge in from point blank range, retreat out uh, off the first retreat, and go. I'm off, lads. You can retreat up to twelve inches away. You don't care what you roll on the D3. You go maximum range on the D6 on the retreat, and they go right. I'm twelve inches away. Ah, oh, but it's okay because reckless heroism. I'm coming in again. Um, I think that's mm. the difference. Is that the the the, the initial charge from assault orders? You can go wherever you want, and it doesn't really matter that much how you do your retreat. Um, I think that's got to be the big one for me. We also have Pike Aggression as his next card. So after a friendly combat unit, uh, or sorry, if a friendly unit completes a melee attack, that unit performs one melee attack unit using its lowest attack dice. This attack does not trigger a panic test. After completing this attack, the attack suffers two hits, plus one hit for each hit it rolled during that attack. I only think that that is good on Cotter Pike himself. Yeah, I mean, that is not... Just wounds for wounds, it's not a good trick. No. No, I mean... And you have to be wanting to trigger Fuel by Slaughter or some other ability off of the back of it. I mean, the vast majority of the time... It is always dangerous. It is always dangerous when you allow the attacker to put through more spike damage, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And to trade out more of his own wounds for enemy wounds. Because you put the ability in their hands to, you know, like, make this... To, to, to make this... Much more likely to be a one shot. Yeah. The thing is, I mean, even like veterans and Vanguard, I guess, are the only real units outside of uh, something that Ilias just said in chat there, which I will come to in a second. They're the only real units. I mean, you can roll five dice, which is a potential of five, uh, you know, hits. Um, the vast majority of the time, you're rolling four dice. So the, pr the the chances are, without a panic test, you're not going to do significant damage. And you're taking no. two plus four or five hits back. So you, And you're, what, armor five on the majority of Night's Watch stuff, or maybe armor four? You're probably taking just as much damage back to the vast majority of units. Um, Yeah, I think this only works with Fuel by Slaughter, personally. I... I don't see why you'd use this on any other unit. They have the same trigger, right? Yes. So you you would own both triggers and you can choose the order. Yeah. 
so you can choose the hits before healing. Yes. Or take the heal before the hits if you're particularly wounded. If you need it. Yeah. Um, and you'll know the number of hits due to be generated, which is the important part. Uh, it does also work with Ghost. Um, you won't, will you? Why will you know the number of hits? Because you know the number of uh, you'll know the number of hits from Pike Aggression when you go to choose the heal. And my point is when you choose the heal and or um, damage to yourself, which order you resolve that in, you'll know how many hits that you got on the enemy by that point. That's what I meant. No. It says uh, after completing this attack, the attacker suffers two hits plus one each for hit rolled during that attack. So when it comes to resolving, I'm not talking about the playing of the card. I'm talking on the resolution. You always know if it's better to heal or... Like, if you're going to die from... If you've got three wounds left, you're not going to take the bloody hits first. Is my point. Because you know you're taking four hits back mm, or something. No. I still say no. Both, both abilities, Fuel by Slaughter and Pike's Aggression, have the same trigger. You yeah. can determine which one goes in, goes in which order. But you yes. still have to determine all of Pike's Aggression or all... Of fuel by slaughter. Yeah. Oh, the initial fuel by slaughter. Yeah, I remember. Spike's aggression causes a second fuel by slaughter. That's my point. Because it's another attack. I'm talking about the fuel by slaughter inside the Pike aggression attack. Um. So you do actually ah. trigger it twice. Yeah. Gotta cause a wound. You do have to cause a wound. That's true. <laughs> there, there is a chance you don't cause a wound on that second attack. Um. So yeah. Uh, which would suck, by the way. Ah, I hit you with four dice against your wardens on three plus armor. Ah, you saved them all, so now I take six hits back. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, in in so many ways, I feel like this is a trash tier card. Yeah, I think it's a trap. I also think it could be, it could see some very su big success. And uh, as as Ilya points out, Ghost. Ghost attacking on max ranks is the same as ghost attacking on one rank. The difference is, but can you sacrifice ghost, ghost for ghost it? Ghost is really genuinely at risk of dying. Yes. I guess if it's, I, I, I guess it might be worth it if you're trying to desperately kill something, like you, like against Greyjoys, right? They play what is dead may never die off a of panic, maybe, and you really need that unit dead from a couple of extra hits. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know. It, it but helps. Have you met our Lord and Savior, Assault Orders? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the last point is Reckless Strikes. Uh, Dario's lovely card coming into the game, uh, but on another commander. Uh, same trigger as the, uh, usual, so when you make a uh, melee attack before rolling dice, the attacker gains crit, blow, and precision. Uh, but each time you roll a one, uh, you take a wound um, on the attack, and if it's Cotter Pike's unit, you roll your highest attack die value, which kind of seems a little bit pointless because the vast majority of the time you'll be fueled by slaughtering up. Anyway, um, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like people people run people run Dario Swarm Brothers for like mm. you know for the for those exact reasons. Yep. Yeah. Again, yeah. it feels like it wants to play with fueled by slaughter. Yep. Though you know, Amon Amon's kicking around as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about Cotter Pike. I look, I kind of look at him and go, yeah, he's, he's alright. I don't like him. 
Um, because I don't like commanders that are about themselves. And he just like yeah. and, and yes, there are very powerful combos about himself. Like and they yeah, they really are good. But he's obsessed with himself. He's obsessed with himself and his own unit. Yeah. And and you know, I, I like to play I like to play a list that has more effective use of its cards, more distributed use of its cards, and not be all in on one unit. So I have a feeling, and tell me if I'm wrong here, that that uh, Pike Aggression card is something that we saw Victarian have, maybe, in the very first rele reveal of Greyjoys. I do remember that card being a, a thing, right? And I think it had the name Sustained Assault, and then they changed Sustained Assault to what Baratheons know as Sustained Assault. But I do have a feeling that the Pike Aggression cards did exist uh, many moons ago when Greyjoys first came out. Because um, that's not the um, first time we've seen it, is it? Not impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I have a half mind that I've seen this card before. Yeah. Um, it didn't make it into the game then. <laughs> uh, I can only assume that it is good enough for the game now. I don't know. Or maybe it was too strong in the previous game modes. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's trying to trying to guess why Simon do stuff that way. Madness lies, so you know, like <laughs> let's not not bother. Yeah, probably, probably yeah, a poor edition. I actually am finding the article now, and I think it's in the Captains of the Iron Fleet article. No, wasn't there. Must have been somewhere else. Um, all right then. So. Um, let us move on to attachments now. Uh, this is obviously the part where everybody goes, Wow! Attachments! Attachments are amazing! Let me have a look at all these amazing two-point attachments that I'm totally going to put in my units! Or one-point attachments that are totally worth it! E.g. Kyburn! So, let's have a look. Wrong one. <laughs> We've got Cotter Pike as a one-point attachment. Satin as a one-point attachment that ignores uh, attachment limits. Or satin as a one-point attachment that ignores attachment limits. Yes, he exists twice. Both as a one-point attachment, both with the same things. We'll come to the abilities in a second. And Yorin, who is a two-point attachment, who is, in my opinion, perhaps one of the worst two-point attachments in the game. And we will get there when we get there. But we've got Cotterpike, who brings Reckless Heroism again, and Furious Charge. For a point, right? For a point. Yeah, whatever. You I buy it if you really, really want. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling <laughs> I mean. that might get that might see play. I have a feeling that that might see play. Because there's a one-point attachment. Yeah, maybe. And one-point attachments are just usable. Not a watch captain. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, if you've got a point left over, buy it. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, you want to be able to charge six inches. But I wouldn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, satin? The Brave Recruit variant has Dauntless for a point. Remember that he can go, uh, he can stack with another attachment, he ignores attachment limits. Dauntless for one point, which is the Pass a Morale Test, Restore a Wound. Mm, I'm, I'm unsure about that. I don't think... Dauntless is based on what it can combo with, really. Like, I, I can't think of a place where I'm like, oh my god, I'd want Dauntless for a point. 
I, I do think that Dauntless is a little bit of an annoying ability to play into, you know, particularly in a morale five faction. <laughs> yeah. But and 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 it and it does matter that that is a um can comp you know can can ignore attachment limits, can go into your commander unit and make yourself like really really hard to stop, make your commander less less of a problem. Um, nah, not really. It's one of those ones again where. If there's some kind of like special, I don't see any special combos off the top of my head. Maybe with a dual list to make put part. Yeah, Ilya says in chat there actually a dual list for extra passing or morale checks that dual gives um, and morale buffs with embolden and stuff. Maybe. Um... Yeah, because it's morale, not panic. Mm -hmm. Basically, if there are more ways for you to trigger self morale test, then that increases its value. Yes. Um, but. You know, like, uh, it, it's a very specific combo piece in my mind. Like, Dauntless just isn't like, hey, one point, I'll have that ability. Unlike Hardened, which is just like, hey, for a point, I'll take Hardened. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, you know, t tell me I'm wrong. Tell me there's a combo. I I'll more than happily hold my hands up and say, yeah, there's a combo I didn't think of. Um, but... Are, are you ready? You can have Jon Snow with Reckless Heroism and Warcry for two points and Satin in the same unit for three points worth of attachment. The Warcry, it heals you one, which you can spend with Reckless Heroism. Or a Watch Captain. <laughs> yeah, I've got a Watch Captain, please. <laughs> it's one of those moments where someone's like, ah, oh, look at my Exodia, and you go, look that. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, it's a sad day to be Satin. Uh, and we'll jump straight into his other version because you thought that was sad. This, this is real sad. Commander's Steward Satin. Commander's Vassal. This model counts as your commander when its unit is being targeted by tactics cards. This costs a point and it ignores yeah. usual attachment limits. I mean, it seems pretty trash. What yes. is actually interesting is it has people questioning, um, like, the rules as written around cards and whether or not they target units and actually it triggered a huge debate about um about Ute and victorian and yep. as far as i can tell the community has come to consensus that rules as written newt can't receive victorian's assault orders for the charge yeah because yeah. newt has not been targeted by a card which uh, which is Newt's effect. Newt's yeah. effect is when he is targeted by a card, he can be Victorian. Yes. In the same um, as this. For our argument. This counts uh, your commander when being targeted by tactics card. If you're not targeted by the card, then you're not your commander unit. Which? Um, I don't know necessarily whether or not that is as intended. Um, it's interesting with Victorian because because he work with Victorian's other two cards. Yeah, he does, but he doesn't work with that one. And for him not working with assault orders, that seems pretty bad, right? Well, you know, it seems you could also argue that it seems crazy powerful that he does work with assault orders. Yeah. But Satin, on the other hand, like there's a very, very short list of cards that 
it does work with. Like, I mean, you can't go through every commander, but like, let's just say it's shit. Like, <laughs> you, like as things currently stand, there's barely a commander card that like gains a bonus significant enough for targeting the command. So that you're like, man, I have double that. The the thing for me is that like. People say, oh, it works with, like, Alistair. Yeah, it works with one of Alistair's cards. Seeing their flaws, while Alistair Thorne's unit is attacking that enemy, that card doesn't target Alistair Thorne's unit. So, seeing their flaws doesn't work with Satin. Othel has no combo. Donal has um, some cards, which is when you attach it, if it's attached to Donald's Noy unit, well, hang on. Is an attached card still targeting during its attachment area? Because if it's not then, strictly speaking, Refuse to Yield isn't attached to Donald Noy's unit, therefore, it doesn't give the plus one to Panic. Um, so it doesn't really work there. It doesn't work with Jaw. It doesn't really... It, it works a little bit with John for It Shall Not End Until My Death and San United Brothers. But that's it. It seems like the yeah. only person he works with is, is John. Yeah. Dan says he works with Cotter Pike, and I say no, because for a start, as we just discussed, it doesn't work with Assault Orders. Yep. And and B, the only reason that Cotter Pike works with Cotter Pike is because <laughs> Cotter Pike is fueled by Slaughter, and you know, that ain't given fuel for That would be good. It would be awesome if Satin took the... Wouldn't that be good? If they changed it so it made no. them a copy? No, mate. Stop. <laughs> no. no. Don't copy... Don't copy attachments into <laughs> other attachments for one point. That's not allowed. <laughs> Isn't that Jackham? <laughs> you just have to get him killed the first. You've got to die first. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, Alright, we'll move on to Yoren. And the reason I say Yoren makes me sad is Yoren, the harsh recruiter, is Insight, which I believe the current watch recruiters already have, which is the highest attack dice in Vicious. And Reinforcements, which the current Watch Recruiter already has, which is Restore 1 Wound when you activate plus 1 for Crowns, if you control it. But he also comes with the added bonus of Intimidating Presence. Now, a Watch Recruiter costs 1 point. He comes at a 2-point standard. The abilities of a 1-point unit with what is rarely regarded as a good 1-point ability in Intimidating Presence. I don't see him seeing play, because he's a 2-point attachment. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I still don't see myself using it. No. Um, but like, you know, his abilities are worth two points. Yes. And that is actually what made me so sad when I saw this, is that that is probably the closest we get or very close to seeing a two-point attachment outside of stuff like Free Folk, where we know the, um, uh, adaptive makes a uh, difference. Uh, this is the closest where we get to what I would consider a playable two-point attachment. Genuinely good. But it probably isn't enough. People might use it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. You know, like, if you're already buying a watch recruiter, then you're basically buying a one-point attachment. But, yeah, you know. It's just... Nah. But, but Carlo... I mean, for one point more, for one point more, you get Relentless... And attack from one higher 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 ranks plus one dice, boldness yep. and courage, and an activation. Like 
that so much that you should just find that third point. Yeah. In, in other words, for those people building lists, what you do is you take Satin out of your list, the point you've just saved by taking something that doesn't do anything, make Yorin into a watch captain. Yeah. Uh, we move on to the last one. Edison Tollet, a two-point attachment. Dolores said, Gallows Humor, an innate ability. While this unit has at least one destroyed rank, it may never be targeted by enemy orders, tactics cards, or be influenced by enemy NCUs. While it only has one remaining rank, its melee attacks gain plus one to hit. I like the ability. I like the idea that you can actually make a unit go, you know what, when it gets low, it's going to be hard to remove that last bit because it can't be targeted by cards. But for two points, it's far too expensive. And you don't gain enough. That's, that's not enough, right? No. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not interested. Two points, like. And yet, and yet, the ability is great. I think the ability is a great idea. Just, yeah. God, two point attachments really are trash, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Just a horrible state in that middle game at the moment. Um. Yeah. All right. We will. Uh, we will move on to the NCUs. Uh, getting the right way around this time. We've got NCU Sedanis Malister at four points and Yorin at six points. And a lot to talk about with Yorin, the NCU variant. Mm -hmm. We will talk about Sedanis Malister first. Um, while influence a friendly unit, uh, if that unit began the turn engaged, each time it forms a melee attack before rolling attack dice, it chooses one of these two buffs. If it has one remaining rank, it gets both. Uh, it can use to use its highest dice roll, or it could give one condition token out to the enemy. What do we think there to uh, to Sedanis Malister? What does he cost? Just four. It's a four point. Yeah, you know what? It's it, it's it's in the mixer. Yeah, yeah, it's in it, it's an acceptable four point ability. Do you uh, not? I'd probably kill him. Do you not think that this is just sustained assault on a card influence, kind of, though? With the began-the-turn-engaged problem that that trigger has. Yeah, I mean... The trigger does make it hard. I think that... When you look at... Um, Relentless and Night's Watch, generically still has quite a high activation faction. Then um, Swarm Brothers, like there are definitely ways that you can a grind based style with Swarm Brothers, particularly. Yeah, no, I can see that the combo with Swarm Brothers, especially given that Swarm Brothers have the order for the rerolls and the vulnerable. You know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Four point NCUs, right? Four point NCUs are never completely trashed here. Um, I mean, they can be bad, but they're never completely never in the conversation simply because they're four-point NCUs, right? Like, that's what you pay for an NCU as a minimum cost pretty much nowadays, and as a result, it's fine. Um, mm -hmm. We'll move on to Yorin, though, because Yorin is a conversation and a half. Um, he has an ability called Recruitment, and each time he claims a zone, 
before resolving the zone's effect, you place an order token on him. If he claims the crowns, you can replace the zone's effect with place an order token on Yorin. Then, each time he claims a zone, you may replace that zone's effect with remove fourth order tokens from Yorin. If you do, deploy one conscript unit fully within long range of a table edge. Now, me and Carlo did discuss this briefly. Yeah, Carlo did the maths on this. I think well, Carlo wasn't the only one. Many people did. He can get his ability off twice a game. Um, but at that point, it is unlikely that that second conscript unit would do much in the vast majority of circumstances. Uh, it might be around for you, you round five if you go first. It might be around in round six. It might get to do an action. Um, and assuming you're not playing one NCU. Yes. <laughs> like, you just have to have allowed Yorin to do it. Yeah. Like, you literally just let him do it. If at any point you kind of step in and say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start taking these crowns away from you, then he's never getting to that second one. Yeah. Now, it did occur to me that Yorin is about as unpleasant as it gets in what we would call, Carlo, the old tournament-style fire and blood kind of game modes, where basically everyone just stands in corners and doesn't do shit. Uh, it was a popular strategy by a lot of players um, in that kind of game mode. Uh, not the only one, of course, here we stand. We also had a, an issue with that there. Um, because at the halfway through the game, he just goes, okay, but I've got more units on the board now. So, I win the draw. Cool, good game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I like that it prevents draws. I, I always like abilities that prevent draws. I do not think a game should be drawn. Uh, in that, I obviously can be. It's a thing that happens, but like I just prefer it when they're not. Um, go on. What do you think, Carlo? Do you think he's good for six? Do you think he's... Uh, well, I mean, Jesse, Jesse asks. Jesse asks if he's too too cheap for six. I mean, I think he's kind of shit. <laughs> not like, not like total shit. Obviously, like you know, he is. He has a very interesting dynamic. Very interesting. Um, interesting use. We have to assume that there's no NCU shutdown here, because like if there's <laughs> NCU shutdown, he's just garbage. Like he's just he's just oh. a six point lead weight, um, and you know, he's not a straight up trap, but I think that when you look at what he puts into deploying a unit, it's more than just his six points, right? Which is effectively two points. You're paying two points more than you would for for a, for a normal NCU. We just have have to assume that you're buying a four-point NCU, right? And what you're doing is you're turning that four-point NCU, you're paying two points to turn into a 6.1. Um, and what that gets you is it gets you a conscript unit on turn four or five. But also don't forget, you didn't just pay two points. That was also your ability. Your ability could have been... Literally anything. <laughs> for example... You're getting half a unit mm -hmm. 
for half the game. It's the second half for like half the price that it should be. And 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 that's just okay. Like honestly, it's all just like okay. Yeah. I I I think that what you should look to compare it to, and when you actually just look and compare what you could have otherwise, is for seven points, you can have a watch captain, <laughs> and you can have Amon. And compare it with effectively the same thing, but from turn one, which is they're going to provide you an extra activation, and they're going to heal units. Yorin is going to wait until turn four or five, and then he's going to provide you an extra activation, and he's going to bring on 12 wounds, which can now start to heal. So Camille and Willard in chat say it's, it's possible on round three, um, which it is. If the Night's Watch player is going first, they can take crowns on round one, like first thing. Um, in round two... You would have two tokens, so you'd have to take crowns again to get four. Or you could take any zone to go to three, and then you could go to four on round three when you take the zone to deploy them. You can pick up the last token at the same time as choosing to deploy them. But the point is it requires you taking crowns on one of two or three. Uh, sorry, on one of one or two. And... That means you're giving up a first turn play. Yeah. So, so you have to. Yeah. What do you What do you think, Carlo? Do, do you, would you say that that is not worth it, giving up a? Like, if you're going first, right, it's probably worth taking crowns first. But if you're going second, taking crowns on the opening of round two seems really bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Def, def, definitely a bad move on. It feels, feels like a bad move on turn two. If it, you know, it is a great move on turn one, right? And if you are gonna go first, then yeah, sure. Why not? Why not open with it? It's like that or letters, and you know, like gonna go letters, money bags away. Uh, there's a horses. Mm -hmm. But I think people are looking at it like turn three, and 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 maybe I'll get one on turn six. Or, you know, like, and all this stuff. I think nobody's accounting for the fact that they're, they're spending multiple zones to do this. Yeah. And they're spending their NCU's actual ability to do that as well through the entire game. And that's all on top of two points. So you're paying two points plus multiple zone activations plus your NCU ability to put down a five-point unit. Yeah. And you don't even get it until after it's useful because activation advantage is most useful and most important in turns two and three. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely and, agree there. And, and so I, I, you're, just, you're, just, you're just thinking about the perfect situation or like this theoretical amazing world where you don't consider the fact that you've lost important zones, you know, like however much, you know, you you've taken crowns, like it, it you've taken crowns once in the game, and you've replaced the zone that you actually replaced to put the unit down. I'm like, just take money bags twice. You've healed six anyway. Take money bags of eight, and you've just healed like ten wounds, and it's like. <laughs> 
you know, like I've done exactly the same thing and I've done it with a four point NCU. Um Yeah. And you're probably and you're probably not actually activation activation up necessarily across the whole list because of the way that Night's Watch list building is at the moment. You're probably actually not an activation up on those activation mm -hmm. lists that save those two points for say a watch captain or something elsewhere. Um after that deployment of the construct comes down. Like you're probably running the same rough activation limits. So 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 look he's talking about like yeah but the the crown zone is is worthless anyway right and and yes there is a a small non-existent value to putting pressure onto the crown zone and making your opponent want to block it right but but people are talking like they're going to get crowns for free every round they're acting like they're going to somehow not take it first but also get it every round that they want it and that it's not going to cost them any kind of tempo, but their opponent's going to let them have it. Like, I do think that he, you know, like, he puts some pressure on the tactics board and makes your opponent think a bit differently and, you know, adds more value to Peter, as always, because Baelish is already just, like, the most important NCU in the game. <laughs> yeah. And, yes, there's another zone getting thrown in on things that, like, Peter has to think around, but, like, I really don't think that he's good. Like, he is okay at best. Like, absolutely just okay. Yeah. I really genuinely would rather have a watch captain and aim on every day of the week. Mm -hmm. um, and as you say, that's without considering Intrigue and Subterfuge from Lannister. Um, uh, any, I mean, mm -hmm. Elena, Elena, who, by the way, is really popular in Baratheons right now. Shits all over Yoren. Um, it just makes Yoren's life a fucking misery. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if Elena's there, Yoren doesn't even get to deploy a unit, basically. And that's even practically. Elena doesn't even have to block him every round. She just blocks him half the rounds. Yeah. Like, and you desperately go to zone first with him? And, like, Elena still practically blocks him from ever getting a unit on the board. And she costs one point less. And then throw in, like, Courtney, he activates. And Courtney just says, oh, well, if you take his own, I'm going to heal as well. Now he's like, oh, shit, I can't, like, and now have to go on the board. This is such a all-in on, like, and it's so obvious what you need and want to do at any given time. I, I just think, you know, like... I, I just think he's a trap, like, mm. and, and not not in terms of like, okay, he's shit. Why are you using him at all? He's not a trap, like, like a total, you know, completely fucked it. We had a, a moment of uh, of Carlo rage stopping there. Uh, the internet decided it couldn't handle your rage at how useless uh, he could potentially be in relation to other things. But yeah, I mean, there are so many things in the game that just fuck all over your own. Um, uh, and Lockerbie sums it up actually fairly well. You said he was okay, Carlo, which translates to balanced, <laughs> which under the guise of Night's Watch and where Night's Watch are at the moment and the Night's Watch average, uh, he's bad. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, in a, in a world where you don't have Amon, you don't have, you don't have other powerful NCUs, you don't have an amazing field of four-point options, like... And I'd be saying, yeah, yeah, go for Yoren. He's great. But, like, 
it, it's just, nah, nah, not for me. Someone needs to do a meme now of Yorin, who looks like shining and all kind of like sparkly, and then someone who's like smuggling away two watch captains in a bag instead. <laughs> um, you know, this thing that looks amazing. Yeah, but this is just better. Uh, right, okay. Oh, gee doggy. So, that is Night's Watch Hero Box 3. Uh, overall, Carlo, would you say that it is up here as a Night's Watch Hero Box that you are purchasing? Ah, see what I did there? I caught you in a trap. Or would you say it's like down here being like, eh, it's okay. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> is it up here as a Night's Watch box that I'm purchasing or down here as a Night's Watch box that I'm purchasing? <laughs> is, 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 is always the question. Um, yeah, you know, like, I, I don't think there's anything particularly useful in there. It, it does have three commanders, so, yep. like, Night's Watch can be pretty happy about that. And uh, a cavalry commander know. for people running cavalry lists, right? Which is always a good thing, like, having yeah. the option, so... Yeah, that. you know, there's, there's new stuff. It's a bit weird. Uh, very, very disappointing that the abilities are not Season 1 updates. Um, but hero, hero boxes. Hero boxes are always or always good to get. Um, and some of them could see some play. Yeah, I think, again, I think Maybe. it's fair. Um, all right, then. Uh, just as a as a reminder to anyone watching, uh, most people know at this point, um, these will be added to the stats builder when they're released in War Council. Uh, that's because of a decision that was made by Carlo um, uh, to use the IDs from War Council. It makes, to be honest, it makes our lives a fuck ton easier, right? Um, it also keeps in line with what is essentially uh, officially announced and officially released across the world and it prevents us getting to the point where we just add units willy-nilly um and then tournament organizers and tournament like arrangers across the world have no idea what units are even legal or not um at least they know this way this is what's officially been released and is where is out there by cmod themselves um it's not our fault they're shit at updating war council <laughs> um, yeah so. i mean you know, it's a decision I made when I felt like, and 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 this isn't just. By the way, this isn't just a decision, right? Like, did into the way, the way everything about it works. Like it, it's ingrained with the way when we did when I did that huge, huge update to the entire site. Everything had to go. Every stat in the entire game had to be deleted. And I built into the site that we would now work with these permanent IDs. At the time, I believed that Zemon were and would continue to do a good job with War Council. That it's odd that it now seems like they're really not. Like they really seem to have dropped ball on that. Part. I think that is the one. That's the one aspect of Simon that we do. We don't rant about Simon as much as we used to, but it's the one aspect of Simon that has been a disappointment as of late. Um, War Council not being kept up to date. You know, we're not expecting on release day War Council to be updated. We we would never expect that, but we would expect an update of War Council with release stuff within a week or two. But I mean, Frozen Shore Bear, uh, Frozen Shore Bear Riders were out in the U.S. 
weeks before the uh, US, uh, War Council update came out. Um, like, weeks and weeks. Um, and then, yeah. There's no no hint of it changing on the horizon. So we will see, and we will obviously let everyone know when it happens. Um, but yeah, it's there's nothing that we will I mean, do about you, you it. Say you don't you don't expect them. Say you don't expect them to update on the day of release, but like I do. I know. Like, I know. Not hard. You've got. You're not. You're not getting caught unawares. You're not. <laughs> oh God! We released a unit. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, oh no, where, where did that come from, you know? And obviously I don't expect it, like, you know, when we see these leaks, we're talking, we're, we're, if, if, if these were boxes that, like, people had, like, imported from China, right? Or, like, leaks that had come out from China, then you're like, yeah, obviously, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be on War Council. You don't have to, you don't have to keep War Council up to date with, 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 with the leaks it's come from, right? Mm. Um, but this is an official Asmodee release. Across, yeah, okay, whatever reason, it's come out in the UK, like, on April 1st of all days. You know? <laughs> uh, but somebody said that was okay. You've had that card for ages. Mm-hmm. Please, just put them in like I, I don't understand why they don't they don't release well yeah i sort of do i'm kind of going a bit hyperbolic there but like i don't understand why they aren't reviewing units before they come out like generate people's interest in them like through the app like the app should like tell you about units that are upcoming before they even come out and they should let you flick through commanders before like as soon as they're are announced as soon as the Night's Watch Hero box is announced, like we should be able to see them. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, consistency. Hey, um, on that note, um, talk about release stuff and uh, getting stuff delivered. Um, I just wanted to give a, get a bit of a shout out to uh, to Chris over at Sunday Slaughter, uh, who's been continuing to do his stuff. He's uh, I think he's just moved house this week, uh, which I hope has gone very well for him, uh, but also. Uh, I got some stuff from him, which is absolutely lovely. Some Sunday slaughter dice, some sl- Sunday slaughter dice, in a nice pearlescent pink blue, and uh, gotta have some classic old mint green for my free folk bad boys there. Uh, so thanks again to Chris uh, for those. Um, he sells them to patrons over there at Sunday Slaughter. And uh, if you're not a patron with us, be a patron with us. But if you're not a patron with him, uh, he is great. He's a lovely guy, uh, and he the content he makes. I mean, it is probably the best battle reports available on the internet um so do check them out except the ones carlo does carlos are amazing and totally high quality and absolutely edited perfectly with perfect visual effects and sound if you use a very bad it's <laughs> now but like my report is, is very well is very well uh very well received i believe <laughs> they are, they're, they're great, but they're, you know, they're, they're perhaps not the best visual effects in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't say we spend a long time editing them. Uh, okay, so, um, the next thing we want to talk about, though, I've mentioned the guys at Sunday Slaughter. Uh, it is, of course, Carlo. Should we do your thing first, or should we do the random thing that we got asked first? It's your choice. I'll let you choose. Yeah, let's talk about events. Yeah, 
We'll do Carlo's thing Talk about events, because there's a lot coming up. Yes. Carlo's thing. Carlo's thing. It is your thing, Carlo, because it's the TTS qualifier number one win an invite to the Grand Tourney, the Invitational. Uh, this is definitely your thing. You can't say it's not your thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go on. Absolutely. Tell us. Um, yeah, well, just a reminder. It's, it, it, it's coming along in four weeks, which should be the end of uh, the current uh, Welcome to 2022 that Tom Tyler's running, uh, which I'm sure we'll um, drop in on uh, soon enough. Um, and, um, yeah, we've, we've broken 16 entrants now, uh, so we're in the long, hard gap to get to 32. Uh, to fill out um, fill out the bracket there. Um, this is this is hopefully all people who want to attend the UK Grand Tournament Invitational knockout rounds. So just it's just gonna be one and done. If you lose, don't worry about it. Like do you know what I mean? Just just play your games. If you're still in, then you wanna be in and you wanna be playing your games. And if you lost games, then you don't even have to worry about it anymore. You can just let it go and move on to your next tournament. It does doesn't want to try and interrupt all the rest of the events that people are running um, in general online. Uh, and yeah, there's a really great uh, collection of people, a um, little bit UK centric, as we would expect, with um, you know most people wanting to travel to the uh, LGT and to the Invitational being from the UK. But uh, yeah, good numbers at the moment, four weeks left. Um, yeah, get signed up. Uh, I recommend it. Is there tickets still available to the GT, says Tom Alexander. Strange you say that. Yes, there are, Tom. Uh, tickets are still available for the GT. Um, and, of course, the ELO event on Friday, which the Invitational will be running alongside. I say alongside. We've released the times the last week, right? The weekend. I believe the schedule was kind of released a rough map. Um, the ELO event, because it's a shorter event, it's only three rounds, the Invitational is going to be four rounds over roughly the same period of time. Um, and actually there was a lot of discussion uh, over how we'd make it fit. So uh, there was a bit of a kind of thing being like, Jesus, are we even going to be able to fit this all in? And people are people just going to be absolutely dead by like 6pm on Friday? <laughs> but, uh, but no, it all fits in. It's all good. Um, and yeah, they'll be running effectively alongside each other. Um, uh, yeah, uh, tickets available for all of those still, uh, Tom. So definitely get pick yours up today. There aren't that many left, right? Uh, yeah, though I think we're probably talking about uh, like teens, basically. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think less than twenty tickets mm -hmm. left um, available. So don't don't delay. Okay. Um. Uh, I will. I've just been told some information that I'm going to share later on. Uh, but we'll get there in a second. Um, thanks, Carl. Uh, okay, so that's the Invitational. And that is the TTS um, event acting as an opportunity to qualify for the Invitational happening in September. Um, I'm obviously entered. I expect many more people will enter. We're up to 16, as you say, which is great. Um, and yeah, it is a lot of uh, UK players, but of course there are some other uh, ones from overseas as well. Um, I guess we'll have a really cold beer after that marathon, right? Oh, Mikel. Mikel, we will definitely be having a cold beer during that marathon, probably. If it's anything like last year, where we were fucked on Friday night. 
Um, uh, oh, and Philip Bertrand saying that he's going to announce the French national championship location and date soon. Uh, later tonight. Awesome. Brilliant. We need more of those events. I know that... Uh, I think this is public knowledge now. I know that Lockerbie is working on the German one. Um, he's waiting on a uh, German now? event. Lockerbie's waiting to run a German event, and he is waiting to see if he can get approval to run it as the German national event. So, uh, massive shout out to Lockerbie, obviously, if that goes all ahead. Um, and, uh, obviously, if it does, if he starts getting that sorted, we will definitely invite Lockerbie on. Um, and he'll probably ask to be on anyway, let's face it. It is Loki. We know him. Um, so, yeah. Uh, oh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And, uh, and that kind of, like, segues quite nicely into another event that you're running, Carlo, because you've not run enough events in your life so far. Certainly not in 2022. Um... War for the Wall number three, which as it turns out might be number two, but we can't remember what we called number two, so we called it number three anyway, right? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Scott's very insistent that it's number three. Scott, Scott is adamant that this is three. Uh, I don't remember. Two. <laughs> I, think, I think what I don't remember is one. And it's... the one that we do remember is actually War for the Wall 2. Oh, but right, anyway, okay. <laughs> okay. It's not, not yeah. important. Um, this is, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's odd that that number is creeping up. But, yeah, this is the third event that we'll be running, um, physical event at, uh, well, you know, like, this This one will be at our local gaming club. Uh, a lot of people kind of, when they, when they saw the... Um, when they when they saw the venue was like wow what a venue and we we were just like yeah we go there every week <laughs> we do sort of play in like a semi castle ish thing not castle but like it has turrets and it has crenellations and uh you know like so you know take take uh take take what you want from that um, just to correct Carlo there. It's an 1863 built militia headquarters and barracks. That's what it was. Uh, it does look a little bit like a castle, a mini castle. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's anyway, just our average uh, game. It's a, um, we got a space of 24 people. I really, really hope to uh, get into 2024. 20, you want a region. Um, whether, whether we do. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I got very confused there. I thought you meant jump ahead to 2024. Like jump ahead two years. Yeah. Like, oh shit. <laughs> uh, ho hopefully this will run in 2022. Like you know, this is May the 14th, not the uh, quarter two. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. May the 14th and 15th, so uh, it's now a month and a half away, give or take, um, and uh, at, in Durham, um, and uh, £20, and the, again, the winner uh, gets an invite to the Grand Tournament Invitational. Um, again, it's in our local area, uh, literally, as they are local uh, club, so if anyone has got questions of anything like accommodation, if anyone's got questions of, like, travel, uh, anything like how you get there, how easy is it to get there, things like that, um, we can literally talk about that. It's absolutely fine. We know the area very well. Carlo and I, specifically Durham, between Carlo and myself, I think we've lived a combined years of something like 20 to 25 years in the area. So we know it fairly well. Um, 
and uh and yeah i mean jacob's uh so jacob bailey uh jacob of grace i always forget how to call him when i'm referring to him um he uh he talks to me about it like how easy it's to get to and i said look honestly mate it's like 20 minute 25 minute walk from the train station to be honest um and so i think he's coming up which is fantastic uh, no players signed up but i definitely think he's looking to come uh, of course with myself yeah. um, and the local guys as well it's only went up over the weekend didn't it yeah yeah there are there are there are, yeah exactly I, I put it up and i haven't really promoted it yet um because i was away um but yeah go and sign up like literally go and sign up through the site uh there are details on there about how uh, how about how you go about paying, but it is first come first serve on terms of signing up through the site. So go and sign up. It is properly live, properly everything now. I I sort of sort of announced it last week uh, because I finally got the dates finalised. It is happening in six weeks. Um, so. Bit of a tight, bit of a tight turnaround. Uh, wanted wanted to be able to announce a bit earlier, um, but uh, didn't get um, response from the venue. Um, that I could have it all weekend for the six round event. Um, so here we are. Uh, sign up as soon as you can, and uh, get your place. Are we doing? Uh, are we thinking a big Lebanese on Saturday night? Right. Is that the plan? It should be the plan. Great, great time for Carlos, isn't it, to just crack out so he didn't have to give his response live on air. He can just be like, yes, we're totally doing that, while he fucks off home and gets an early night. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, other events coming up. Obviously, we've got the GT. We haven't mentioned it in a couple of weeks because we haven't mentioned it. There's no reason. Uh, it's looking like, I mean, we've sold 100 and something, 110, 12, 120? Really? I don't know. Tickets. We're give or take very near that uh, ticket sales limit. Um, I don't know how many left to go. We haven't had an update on exact figures in a while, but we are very close to selling out. Um, buy your tickets while you can, while there's still some available, because ever. we can't promise there will be. Yeah, biggest event ever. We just stopped asking. Yeah. Just. Yeah. We just want to be the biggest song event. I mean, not that. Just you know, like we we want to run a yeah, really really great. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not like hey, we just want to be bigger than anything else. Um, one twenty eight is is a good number to aim for. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if if we could, we would run an eight round event. It doesn't fit though. <laughs> and 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 there are timescales to work too. There are there are difficulties. Yeah, eight eight rounds is a long, uh, difficult thing to fit to two days, especially with people leaving on Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. it's uh, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Still, obviously, um, I think it's gonna be fantastic uh, as it was last year. Uh, but also the Invitational on the Friday, which I said was running alongside the ELO and the ELO itself on the Friday, also happening. Um. I am actually super interested in the ELO event because we haven't talked about ELO events at the moment because there isn't really a settled level. Uh, still quite a lot of changes left in ELO, I think. You know, we're seeing a lot of movement, which is good. Um, I'd like to see 
what ends up getting played at the ELO event to see what people actually think is is better than it is rated. Um, uh, Elite Teddy there just giving us a bit. Ten tickets left for the main event. Ten tickets. Jesus Christ. Um, so. Right. I have been given another piece of information, and I thought I'd break this out. Moving on from events that we've seen. Um, it wasn't an event run on stats, um, as I'm sure you're all aware, but WonderCon did run this weekend, and there was a regionals event at WonderCon. This is in uh, Anaheim in California. Um, I've received word that uh, the event in Anaheim did not go ahead. Um, it was promoted via Facebook a couple of weeks before the end, uh, the event. Um, it was free entry. Uh, you could walk in, um, and there were national invites available for uh, a national event happening in the U.S. Um, as far as Chris, uh, sorry, as far as Carl know, only one person turned up for the event um, at WonderCon, um, which. Like, apparently the guy who turned up, uh, one of Carl's mates, John, <laughs> said the, the guys there were lovely. The guys from CMON were fantastic. And, like, they did talk. They, they were clearly keen. But it was, uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, only one person turned up for the event. Um, there isn't really much to take away from that. Like, not nothing about wow. North Cal or anything like that. Like, so who organized it? CMON. I don't know. <laughs> No, what WonderCon is a big, uh, big convention in the US. Um, yeah, I've of heard of WonderCon. Yeah, didn't know there was a Song of Ice and Fire event at it. Neither did I. <laughs> um, I was having. I thought I was keeping relatively close tabs on, like, the various regionals that were going up and the various qualifier events. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I'm usually aware of when things that they post online. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I keep tabs on a lot of what they did. Um, but yeah, apparently, apparently, uh, yeah, that's a thing. Uh, I don't want to dwell on it too much longer. I don't want to get people um, like uh, kind of like shitting on Simon for this one. Um, did, did, I, did he qualify? The question is a legit question. Did he qualify? Carl would have to answer that. Uh, he's the one with yeah, the information. Carl, that, Carl, if you know, did he get a qualification spot? I honestly think he deserves to. Yeah. Um... Like, you can't do any more than turn up. <laughs> I, re I really, I really do hope that they, uh, that they qualified, or at least were. Uh, I think Carl did say. Um, he was given a pair of dice for trying. <laughs> what? Don't take that as gospel. Uh, I will also give you uh, a view. This is a picture apparently taken at the event. Apologies for the potato quality. That's just the image I've got. Um, this was up for grabs at the event as well. Um, that was supposed to be prizes. Yeah. I believe. I, 
Oh, come on. They, oh, they should have just given it all to him. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to dwell on this too long. Uh, but... I, I'm, my brain is actually, oh my god, like... I hope, I hope, I hope it was local, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I really do travel for this. Yeah, I, I, I also hope that he did not travel just for this event. Um, yeah, I mean, I. This is why we complain, and this is why Simon should advertise stuff. I have no problems with the people who ran that event, like who were there on the day trying to make that event as good as it could be. They were probably brilliant people, but Jesus Christ, um, people really, really should actually advertise these events, and Simon should really get on top of this. Um, it is if Simon watched this, like. This is what's going wrong. <laughs> this is the bit that's going wrong. Um, and if you want tips and you want tricks, it is okay to ask, right? Like, it's okay <laughs> to ask people, how do you get people to turn up to events? Uh. 100 people to turn up. I just... Yeah, I mean, like, but it, and it's not even... I don't know. Like, there's, there's an event... There's an event literally every week in Poland. There's... there's, there's the, French, the French have managed to get 100 people to turn up. It's... There's just nothing. There's just no... There are no words, right? There are no words. Because other regional qualifiers... Like, other qualifying events, which we've got running through stats, that we can literally go and look at the numbers for now. And again, shout out to the guys over here for doing this. Um, the guys... I mean, I wanted to talk about the regional qualifiers in general, but, like, anyway. But, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're springing up. They're doing great. Yeah. Doors understand. Doors and clubs understand how to promote events. You know, Fabricated's Forge, I know that they've broken the 17 mm -hmm. um, to get themselves four qualifying spots, which is great. You know, that, that makes them... Does that make them the biggest qualifier so far, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what Sunday Slaughter is at and what it will be, but, you know, like, look. So, you know, NorCal that, that's currently... Bigger... Yeah? I, I forget, um, I forget what LVO was at in the end. Uh, I don't know if LVO ended up being... Did it end up being 20-something? <laughs> Low 20s? Um, but, uh... Yeah, so Fabricators Forge is now on 18 people signed up, or, or on the waiting list combined. So, that, I'm pretty sure the 18 number is certainly the biggest. Um, so, yeah, I am I am 90% sure that Fabricators Forge is now the biggest qualifier that we've had outside of maybe one or two places. Yeah, I mean, like, what, what, what was LVO is the question. But like, Adepticon was only sixteen. Um, you know, like these big, big conventions. You know, this is also an interesting thing that I was thinking about right the other day. I think this discussion's come up a little bit about like this idea that the US is like too big for these events to be successful, or like, or that things in the UK are wildly different. 
hand that the UK, you know, like, hey, we couldn't just reproduce what you've done at the LGT um, and get 100 people. But what, what I find really odd and what I don't understand is, is that Adepticon itself, LVO itself, right? They have 40K events at them, which are bigger than anything in the UK, right? Yep. LGT attracts 500, 600, maybe 700 40K players. As far as I'm aware, LVO attracts like 1,000 plus 40K players, right? The 10th the 40K. It's... So, yeah. So, so, so we had we had six hundred people for for forty k, and we got sixty for a song of ice and fire last year, and and that was just our first attempt, and we hope to be twice as big, and honestly hope to be like fifteen to twenty percent of the size of the forty k equivalent at LGT. Now, if LVO can attract a thousand forty k players. Why? Why can't it attract two hundred a song of ice and fire players? You know, like I'm not like just, just just as a hypothetical, just as a comparison, just as a you know, the U. There's nothing special about the UK or LGT. It's just that we have managed to bring together the player base and and galvanize the player base to come to the event. And the same thing at Adepticon, I don't actually know what the 40k numbers at Adepticon are, but it's surely more than 160, right? Like, so that 16-player event that they run at Adepticon is nowhere near a tenth of the size of the 40k equivalent. And... Well, he seems his, his rant seems to have been cut off again by Simon. No, but... um. It is certainly a concern, and I do understand what Carlos is saying. Um, uh, to kind of like look at what you're saying, uh, people say in chat, Fred, uh, how many years to build an established community of returning attendees? Yes, that is going to be a part of it. You know, if, if someone's able to produce um, like a large group of players that return year on year on year for the event, then yes. Like, that will get more people in through the door. Um, like, I don't buy, though, that that's enough, right? Um, I don't buy that that means that people aren't going to come at all. And don't be wrong, like, 24 players is a fine level of an event. It's a fine size. And I know that cost of living in the US is difficult, and cost of travel especially has risen dramatically, uh, alongside other problems. But it's no more an influence, not significantly more an influence than anywhere. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't buy it. Fred, are you back, Carlo? <laughs> I'm back. Ah, cool. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I was just saying, like, responding to some of the things in chat where people are saying, like, established communities or things like that, which I do get to some extent. Like, that is a part of it. Um, but it's it's not... That's not enough of a deterrent, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if if that's the problem, right? Like that there isn't an established community, then then just like 
the logical conclusion is that the game will be successful in the US. Yeah. Like, That's... like as in, like, if, if you look at the people playing tabletop games and the numbers of people playing tabletop games, and then you look at the distribution, Press and Fire takes up such a tiny percentage, something is going wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it is, it is a massive issue. Um, it's it's a massive issue in the US. I mean, we, we are seeing it perhaps less so in other countries. Um, I do think that um, it is a significant issue in the US over other countries that we're seeing it. But I agree, Carlo, you know, we have to ask the question is, like, is this going to be the success they want it to be in the US? Um, so, yeah. It says why? Do, uh, Fred also says, why don't you attend tournaments in Italy? That's the equivalent travel distance to attend a con on the other side of the US. Yeah, no, I, I get that, Fred. I get that. Um, I do get that. But the problem is, is that those cons aren't getting the size of just, like, they're lower than those Italian local tournaments, which are more, you know, they're just that, they're local tournaments. Um, Carl says the player base, in turn, having a reason to show up to these events. Mm -hmm. I do think Carl's point is the best, actually, is that they don't know about them. Not properly. Yeah, so, so my real question isn't, like, why is the event so small? Yeah. Right? The real question is, is why is A Song of Ice and Fire such a small percentage of the attendance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That feels, I don't know, that feels like a question that we we don't know the answer to in the UK. We don't actually know the answer to and why that would be a thing. And it's strange to think that local events which people are running, you know, look at the one we've got up right on screen here. Fabricates Forge doing a great job. They're pulling people in from further away. They've hit, you know, 18 players so far with potential more that might just creep in in the last moment. And that's a local event. That's a local event. though. So it's a regional event. But it's pulling equivalent numbers of cons in. Like, at that point, the cons are no longer useful for running events for A Song of Ice and Fire. They don't actually serve a purpose for the competitive side of the game. The one thing they do, though, is give you the opportunity to demo the game. Get it in front of people who've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. But that's not what you run events for. Um... And the cop can't just be the only time that you put the game in front of new players. Because then the game doesn't grow. Not really. So. Yeah. It's a sad day, isn't it, Carlo? It's a bit of a sad day in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, that. it's just that there is success elsewhere. Yeah. There, there, there is, there is, there is a lot of success in some places. Um, 
So it just makes uh, it, it brings into really stark contrast the things that are not being successful. And I mean, to, to Fred's question, like significantly earlier, you know, like people traveled from France to Spain, they traveled from Italy to Spain, right? I know there are a number of people looking to travel from France to Italy, Spain to Italy. And you ask, like, why don't I travel to Italy? Like, honestly, if I was free that weekend, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, like, there, 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 is, there is very sig- significant European success. And I don't quite know. What the the um what the non-success is in the U.S. The the only difference for me could be it's, density, population density is the only thing for me. And that could that must be it. I do I I, I do also like I I do increasingly believe that there is possible other reason you know like and this is only since like taking an interest in the U.S kind of player base mm-hmm. which is i i do believe from my own perspective from the outside that the american player base is incredibly tech resistant like they they're not socially media active they're not they 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 they're some of the the least users of the site right but i don't actually believe that it's you know like I don't believe that it's just a song of ice and fire stats that they're not the user of, right? They they they're very very resistant to any kind of technology usage. in their game and promotion of their game and, and like the way the way the way you can grow a community through being online yeah maybe 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 the technology side isn't there i don't know it's difficult it's difficult if technology is the thing that makes the difference. Um, yeah, it's it is definitely an issue. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that I think you know the US scene, the US player bases need to kind of come to terms with, perhaps. Um, and I think Simon as well need to come to terms with that and uh, and realize that what they're doing doesn't work for the scene that they're trying to promote the game in the, hev- the most heavily. Um, if Simon change their tactics and start getting people turn up, then Simon uh, will see success. And that's what actually we want. We do want them to see success. We want to see success at US events. Um, we want WonderCon, Adepticon, GenCon to have big events. Very important. Um, but Simon clearly aren't doing it right at the moment, and so that has to be the port call gets changed first, um, not for the audience they have. 
Um, all right then. Moving on. Uh, we talked talk briefly about all of the various different um, tournaments that are happening in the US for regionals. So that's things like uh, Fabricates Forge, which is happening um, next weekend, two weekends from now. Yeah, not this weekend, the weekend after, right? Can't find it now. There we go. Yeah, the 16th and 17th of April. So not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, so that's two two weeks away now. So if you're not signed up to that event and you live in the nearby area, get yourself signed up to Fabricators Forge. After Fabricators Forge, we've got a couple of weeks later, the Rocket City National event happening up in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, which is actually kind of near. I say kind of near in the grand scheme of things in the US. That's kind of near. <laughs> Uh, so that's another um, event happening there the weekend after, which is fantastic. Um, we then have, uh, I think it's two weeks after that, the New the New Jersey Regional uh, happening at Mythicos. Our old boys at Mythicos running the event there in the um, New Jersey uh, store uh, at the HQ. So start to that one if you're in that area. Uh, you then have, <laughs> literally it's like every couple of weeks, the Gamers Haven one happening in late May. That is the week after our event at Durham War Games Club. So uh, we'll definitely be watching that. Uh, I don't know if I'm at a wedding that weekend. We'll see who gets the most people. Yeah, we will, right? It's a little bit of a challenge now. Um, there's also the North Cal Regional, which uh, is happening on June the 11th. And also another one happening at the Mar the Moorha Stall for Mythicos, uh, which they're hoping is a bigger event, strangely enough. Uh, on the same weekend as well. Um, Carl's still hoping to get confirmation that that NorCal event is going Mawa. Is it Mawa? You know. You talk to them. I don't talk to them anymore. I can't do Mawa. Americans. <laughs> uh, the Mawa store uh, in New Jersey as well. Um, so yeah, loads of events happening um, in the run-up to that. So that is fantastic as well. This weekend... We have a special one that we mentioned a couple of times, but is running. Uh, is the Dukes are gaming a song of ice and fire in Pontypool? Uh, they're hoping to get a lot of players to turn out for that. Um, really hope that goes well for uh, Scabman. Jesus, I, I was thinking Stovetop because he bloody just posted in chat. Damn it, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scabman, I really hope that well goes well there over in Pontypool uh, in Wales. Um. And we've got loads of other events happening as well. There's events happening uh, in France. A game of Storks is happening. We've got Tourney of the Hand, which is a Russian event. We've got a Spanish event happening this weekend. We've got a German event happening this weekend. And we've got a Polish event happening this weekend. Because where would we be without a Polish event? Clearly not on a normal weekend. Um, so all of those things are coming up as well. Um, there was another topic we were going to cover tonight. But uh, we might see if we shelve it for next week. Um, but I will ask Carlo the question anyway and see what he thinks now and see if uh, see if he can kind of like give us his brief opinions on it before his internet completely cuts out. I know, right? Um, I was sent, well, I wasn't sent a question, but a discussion came up. And a lot of discussions have been had over the last couple of weeks regarding balance and new player friendliness and power levels and discussion on OP, all of these things that we always know come up. But this specific one came up from a friend of ours. Um, and I'll read this out. So, I believe you can learn to play a 
faction to its average level quicker in some factions than others. That it's harder to get effective use out of some mechanics than others. Not that it could be objectively measured or any of that, just as a new player will learn to play some factions quicker than others, some synergies are more obvious, some abilities easier to get effect uses out of than others. Um, for reference, he says a faction's average level could be considered the average win rate for that faction. And it's as good as measure as any to use, and this removes the concept of power level being applied to the metric. Uh, I'm not making the argument that new players with stronger faction will win more, that's obvious. Uh, he then asserts from that that his opinion is that it will take longer to learn to play Free Folk than Night's Watch to an average level for that faction. So a concept that people often talk about, which is essentially there's a skill cap to a faction or a, a required amount of skill for a faction that's different depending on the faction. Carlo, your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, that's an incredibly long topic, which is why we weren't going to discuss it for yes, today. Yes, but just quickly, just very quickly, we'll discuss it next week properly, but just as a bit of a tidbit. You think, yay, there's some semblance to an argument there, or it's all just power level, realistically? When you put it in those words, that there, 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 is, there, is, there, is, there is reality to that discussion. There are certain mechanics that are simpler than others. That getting use out of powerful units is easier than getting use out of activation spam. But that, like, these are just what I, I, what I don't think people appreciate is is that these are mechanics that every faction has to use to use well. Like I agree with this core concept that some that some ideas are easier than others, right? That like yeah. some mechanics are more straightforward. But I disagree with the idea that that like all factions in this game, all factions effectively just they they play exactly the same, in my opinion. Like they are, there isn't actually any real difference to the way the factions play. Like you, you're not playing a different game, whether you play Targs or Baratheons. Yeah, we'll discuss this uh, kind of like in deeper because I think there is probably merit to the discussion as a whole uh, at a later date. Um, but yeah, I do think uh, I do think that it's. I think people overcome people over add. Overcomplex? I, I can't get my head right. They overcomplicate. There we go. They overcomplicate the game in a lot of senses and the difference between the factions. Um, I do think that the mechanics, as people say, there are difficult mechanics in the game. There are hard ones. But I do think people fundamentally uh, believe the importance of different mechanics is, is vastly different. Uh, all right, then. Um, we will call it there for this week. Carlo's internet has truly uh, given up the ghost yet again. He's back. Is it? Is it? Is it time, Carlo, for us to call it a day for this week? <laughs> um, see, he's. Uh, I think. I think it is. 
we will get this sorted hopefully for future episodes guys and appreciate anyone who listens on the on the recordings as well um i do try and go through and edit out the worst gaps and things like that for you guys um but uh but yeah it's it's been a bad day in in the uk we will try and get it fixed and we'll get uh some better stuff for you in the future uh i've got plans so um yeah appreciate everyone for tuning in do check out all of the awesome events happening uh across the world you know we've mentioned just some of them there but we've talked about the invitationals we've talked about all of the other brilliant things coming up and the very last thing i wanted to cover uh this week believe it or not was something i gave a sneak peek for you all earlier today and now i'm countering that sneak peek with carlo's ability to uh, hopefully give us one of the best moments of the day without him having to load but we will see carlo you've seen this uh, image before uh zero out of ten cool mini or not pause for dramatic effect <laughs> uh he, he it's a zero it's a solid zero um zero there we go i can beat him to it now i'm pretty good at predicting what carlo's going to give these things now um i it takes a lot of my skill and a lot of my effort to predict what he's going to give these uh these paint jobs um I, I don't know what he's going to give it beforehand, but I, I can guess. The other one was this one uh, here, um, which was painted up by... Uh, I will butcher this name if I don't say it correctly and bring it up. Lucas Aurelius, that's it. Lucas Aurelius. I nearly called him Lucius Aurelius. That would have been terrible. Um, and he painted up Tully Cavaliers. And I will say, these are really, really nice. Um, these are fantastically well based uh, i really like the addition of the pool in the center um the cleanness on the shields and things like that um is superb i really do think that of units that we've seen added to uh cool mini or not this is one of the better ones uh carlo zero out of ten that's um that's a really really interesting take on Tully cavaliers that's, uh, yeah i really like them I really, I think they're Proper awesome. Zero. Yeah. So there you go. Some zero out of tens, otherwise known as uh, in chat, loadings out of tens, as we're now going to call them, I think, from now on. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, apologies uh, for the issues, guys. We will get it sorted. Well, everything will be much better in the future. Uh, everything is always better when uh, when we get our hands on it, right? That's what we have to tell ourselves. Um, so uh, I really hope you all have a fantastic week. I wish you all the best in games you play this week, this weekend. We're going to be heading down to Redka on Sunday. Uh, really, really looking forward to the Caswell Cup on Sunday. Um, I will quickly bring up the breakdown of factions, which I can do, just so people know. But you can always obviously just check this out. Lists are available. Uh, neutrals weren't taken because, yes, you heard it here all the time. Neutrals are not a faction. Um, uh, we will see how it turns out. There's a couple of free folks. Stark's very popular, which is great. Um, and yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. We'll let you know on uh, next Monday how the event rolls out. We'll give you some updates on Sunday um, for the guys on behalf of Dead Meta Gaming. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody has a fantastic week. See you later, buddies. Hey, you can say goodbye. <laughs> Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth?